I, uh, maybe not everybody agrees, but here's one guy that uh, kind of lives for worship and loves to touch God in those places. I think God is uh, probably the most essential thing that I can imagine, uh, you know, of all the things that we could put on the list. Uh, God is above the first, even the first one. Amen. And uh, I'm excited to be here this morning. We're still struggling a little bit with the PowerPoint uh, presentation. But, you know, I've had something on my heart for a little while and uh, worked this week to try and collect all of those thoughts uh, down to a few uh, ideas. Uh, and so if I uh, seem like I'm a little random this morning, I don't intend to be. Chris, did we get it? Yeah? Maybe? Well, uh, we got to launch the... Okay, hang on a second. Praise the Lord. Amen. We're getting there. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's a little different this morning. That's okay. We've got... That's all right. We've got a uh, bottom line there. I'll work it later. Amen. So the best laid plans, right? So there's always... Uh, technology is always a little bit of a struggle to work through. But we're getting there. Uh, so as we get into the Word this morning, uh, I wanted to share with you this morning, you know, Lonnie's been talking a lot about, a uh, lot about, uh, you know, these days. He's been talking about Noah's day, as it was in Noah's day, so it will be in our day. He's been talking about the cloud. Uh, he's been talking about the bow. Right? He's been talking about an invitation and partnering with God. He's been talking about uh, partnering with God to, uh, to establish a safe place. And, you know, what a day that we're in that the world needs a safe place right now because every other place that, at least that I'm in uh, during the days at work or uh, the food market or out and about, uh, it doesn't seem very safe. Amen. But there's safety in God. And so as we continue this word, uh, you know, Noah must have been telling the people for a hundred years uh, what was real to his heart and what was real in his family's heart and what he knew was coming upon the earth. And as the word tells us, uh, not too many people responded. Uh, it was a word in those days that people really didn't want to hear. They didn't want to have the responsibility for change. You know, we always think, well, I'm okay with God, you know, and we don't look at our relationship and we don't look at the things that God wants to adjust or change. And I feel like those are the days that we're in right now. God is so ever speaking. And some people are feeling like this is a judgment of God. Um, I feel a little different. Uh, certainly God does come in judgment, but the end of the age isn't here yet. That the, the wrath of God is not yet being poured out. Love always comes before his wrath. Invitation always comes before his wrath. And I see invitations globally uh, that God is still uh, offering people on a global scale. And so we uh, enter in this morning by uh, mercy and grace. Amen? We're not afraid of his judgment because we know that judgment is going to happen as it is written in Revelations, right? But we're in a season right now of God's love being poured out. 
inviting us for a new place of change. And so as we go through the word this morning, you know, our day, uh, how many people saw the news uh, this week? Lonnie was talking about the flood. And I checked the news in the morning, you know, when I get in just to see what was going on. And if you saw the news, uh, Michigan had uh, one of the dams break loose, one of two dams break loose, uh, and it happened to be in a place called Edenville, right? And the governor was on uh, the news saying that by morning, uh, the town will be under 15 feet of water. And while I'm not sure how many deaths were reported, if any at all, because they were watching it very closely, uh, you know, God is speaking. God is encouraging us to adjust, to come back to him. God is encouraging us to uh, see him for the kind and the loving father that he is. Amen. And so uh, we recognize that at least in Michigan, you know, this dam that gave way, that flooded the towns, uh, 10,000 people uh, directly were affected, but 42,000, you know, uh, according to the state and the government agencies. And so we see that uh, as we... Uh, getting into this word, why did God bring the flood? Because the thoughts and the intents of the hearts of the people were continually wicked. They were continually for violence. And while I'm not going to give you the long list of statistics that I compiled for this morning, uh, I think that we can all agree that violence on the earth is getting to be unprecedented. There are wars on every continent. Uh, there are uh, armies against armies, that there are uh, drug lords, that there are people in our cities that are fighting. There are, uh, in one account, uh, there were over 200,000, uh, an individual before the age of 18 would witness over 200,000 violent acts on, on television before they were 18, right? And Another statistics, just one more, uh, 826 violent acts an hour uh, broadcast into the airwaves of our uh, nations and our communities. And, you know, unprecedented times with uh, the drugs, the opioids, and so on. And the way that I'm looking at this is, God's love and mercy comes before the judgment. And this is all a period of time where God is using something called a global pandemic with the coronavirus to bring people back to himself, to get people to not be distracted with work because we've been told to stay home, right? We're not supposed to be out in public. We're supposed to be home. And it's a time for us to quiet all of the distractions and all of the things that consumed our time that we were asked to participate in, right? We have to work. We have to, we have to go grocery shopping. We have to be out in the community or it's, it's hard to live, right? And so during this time, God is, seems to me as though God is slowing all of that down. And he's saying, will you seek me? Will you find me? Will you make me a priority in your life? Will you, will you cry out to me? Will you reach out to me? And some people are doing just that, and their lives are being changed and re, uh, 
reorganized so that they're finding him in new ways. And I can only imagine that the heart and the compassion of God is such that this will continue because he wants to be found. He wants to be heard. He wants to be realized. He wants, to, he wants fellowship with the creation that he created. Amen? You know, violence in our day, the floods, the earth was filled with violence, and the thoughts and the intents of the heart were continually wicked, according to Genesis chapter 6. The Apostle Paul said that before Christ returned, the world would have perilous times, filled with pleasure-seeking and materialism, immorality, violence, idleness, and the rejection of the things of God. And it seems to me that even the governments of the nations are starting to uh, pull away from God. You know, President Trump said that he thought churches were essential, and he encouraged the governments of our nation to reopen them up. And to, he said that more than anything right now, we need prayer in the, in the earth. We need people connected to God and talking to God and hearing from him and understanding what's on his heart and how to move. And then the other places in, in, the, in the media suggesting that churches can meet but don't sing, right? When we were created to worship God, we were put together and formed in fashion in a way to offer to God our adoration and worship and praise. The government's saying, don't do that. And I think we're progressing in the, in the days in an accelerated way. And some will find it. Some won't. Substantial research, as I was saying earlier, murders all over the place. We, it's hard to turn the news on without seeing a murder or a, or a threat. I was working just uh, about two weeks ago, and I was in a very small building at work. Uh, there are some very large buildings that I'm in, but this particular one was small. And all of a sudden, something came over the loudspeaker, and I couldn't really hear what it was. And I'm like, well, that's really different because the loudspeaker in this building never is active. It's very quiet. And it, it sounded again. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's really strange, but I can't hear what's going on. It's really garbled. It's really, it's hard to hear the words. And then the third time, I'm like, I'm really intent on trying to hear it because if the message comes two and three and four and five times, it must be really important. So I'm really struggling to hear it. And I was in an area of the building, uh, me and one other guy. And I, what is that? Well, it was an active shooter. There was an active shooter in the building. And we were encouraged to get out. And we were encouraged to take shelter, run, hide, and fight that we've been trained to do, right? And we didn't know. And it happened to be when that happens, it's called alertus. It alerts uh, all, people all over the Upper Valley. It broadcasts within all of uh, this business's uh, information systems. It comes up on all the computers. It goes to Dartmouth. It goes all over the place. So as you can imagine, within several minutes, the place in the parking lot was flooded with people from all over the area, first responders. And I'm grateful for those first responders because they were putting themselves in a place of danger and an unknown state. And as they prepared to go into the building and clear the building and find the shooter and to deal with that, how scary that is. What a place of, 
un uncertainty, right? And as it turned out, uh, it was a shorted wire on one of the sensors that falsely tripped the mechanisms to set this in motion. Uh, and we found that out a couple of days later. And so, you know, as the buildings were cleared and were coming out uh, and were said, okay, the building's clear, you can go back in, you really didn't know. You really didn't know what was going on. So you just had to kind of go by, well, you know, hope and faith and, and so on. So, uh, you know, violence in our day. Who ever heard of an active shooter, you know, when I was growing up? Never, I never heard of such a thing. Five years ago, I never heard of such something called social distancing and all of the other acronyms and the things that are so available today. In Luke chapter 21, they were talking about the end times, right? Jesus and his disciples were talking about what it would be like in the end times. And I'm not staying with you here, uh, so I apologize for that. Uh, on the, I've got a PowerPoint on the back for those of you who are online. Uh, but really, it's uh, the message that I'm speaking here. So in Luke 21, uh, verse 25, they were talking about what the end times would be like. And they were curious, and they were asking Jesus. And Jesus said, and there will be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh, draws near. You know, uh, the earth in distress... I would say the earth is in distress more now than any other time, certainly in my life. You know, there are uh, businesses across the globe struggling with just no, wondering how to stay open. The procurement supply chain has been challenged in every way imaginable. We're seeing meatpacking plants across the nation close down because people are coming down with the virus. We're seeing uh, our shipping lanes. We're seeing our, uh, the international borders being challenged. We're seeing governments uh, struggle just to stay open, even our own government struggling to stay up with all of the requests for uh, you know, the aid that they're offering to the communities. And so the distress of nations you know, there aren't clear answers. There aren't clear, there's not clear direction of how to get out of this, or if we ever will. Some are saying that this is a new normal that will continue for quite some time. And so Jesus was talking about the earth and the distress of nations with perplexity. People are perplexed. We have a bunch of great ideas and, a, and brilliant people in our communities running our businesses, and running our states and local governments. But they don't have the answers. Only God knows. Amen? The seas and the waves are roaring. The, the sea and the waves are a sign of fear. It's a place of uncertainty. It's a place of death and chaos, storms and the trials of life. God intends that we overcome all of these things and walk in victory. As he parted the sea, 
when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt. And that's where we are. The sea is representing the fear, the anxiety, the stress, the uncertainty, the death. But God intends that we walk through it. He doesn't say turn around and ignore it. I'm greater than that. Jesus walked on the sea, and he spoke to the storm, and he calmed the sea. And I think that that's what's coming on the earth. Certainly, I'm bearing witness to places where people are rising up and they refuse to have something called a global pandemic with all of the threats of the businesses and the economy shutting down. Certainly, if you live on this earth and you're focused on natural things, there's reason to be concerned. But you're not of the earth. You're of the spirit. And the spirit has a very different approach to the things that are going on on the earth than the ways of natural man. Amen? Amen. Jesus came to bring all of this in submission to his will. Jesus came to bring all of it, all of the fear, all of the roaring of the waves, all of the uncertainty, all of the places of fear and doubt and anxiety, wondering if we're still going to hold a job in next week, wondering where the food's going to come from, Jesus came to bring an answer to all of it. So let's get into the day that we're in. In the day that we're in, a few years ago, on August 21st, 2017, there was something unprecedented in our nation. If there are about, there's about 330, 340 million people in the United States, and we had... Uh, we had a, um, a we had a, a total eclipse, and the total eclipse wasn't just a part of our nation. It spanned the entire nation from Oregon all the way down to North Carolina. And if you remember, during that time, there were people that were leaving from the north and people for leaving from the south, and they were going up to find the place of the total eclipse to experience that. And that place, as it's shown on this map, for you that are online, there's a map on the back wall, and it's just showing a line across the nation. Uh, and there's a 70-mile-wide uh, place where it was a total eclipse. So it's 70, very significant number, 70. And there were millions of people. It's estimated that 200 million people took time out of their day in some way to experience and to witness this eclipse. Jesus said, when you see these things coming, lift up your heads and look up. And he wants to be made known. God doesn't delight in putting something upon the earth or allowing something to come on the earth or allowing a trial to come without first letting people know. And in this place, he's, he's saying, look up, look up. And so 200 million people took time out of their day to go and witness this thing. Many of those people, tens of millions of people, traveled to the center of the United States where this line is drawn to experience the total eclipse. And so we had, we had news reports of, uh, of, of roads being clogged, of nobody could find a hotel that was available. Markets were being overwhelmed. 
uh, people were meeting in fields and stadiums, baseball and, and soccer, any place they could really uh, make a, a place for just some hours or a couple of days to witness this total eclipse. The eclipse happened on August 21st, 2007. And if you add all the numbers up, 8, 2, 1, 2, 1, 7, and so on, you come up with a number 21. And 21 is great weakness in rebellion, in sin, trouble, or distress. And so that very much falls in line with what began to happen on the earth. Distress, sin, right? Are you with me? He said, Jesus said to look up. There's another event that took place that's going to take place. And uh, so that's what I just said. 70 mile wide area reports came back saying the experience was deeply moving and spiritual. So during the time that the total eclipse happened, the darkness came upon the area. And the news reports were reporting how people felt about that. How pe what people were experiencing. And many of the news reports said that uh, people were saying that it was a life-changing experience, that it was deeply spiritually moving, and they couldn't describe how that was taking place other than just what they were feeling as an individual, as a human being. And so I want to bring your attention. Uh, there is another event, much like the first one. The next event is on April 8th, 2024. And again, if we add the numbers up, uh, 4, 8, 2, 2, and 4, you get 20, and that's redemption and given freely. So we can start to see the God's intention of two bookends that are happening in our nation. Two bookends that are signifying a period of time that happens to be seven years a seven-year period of time where God created uh, something called an eclipse for the, the, the United States to experience from the east to the west and from the north to the south. And notice that on the PowerPoint, it, it crosses in the heart of our nation. The very, the very core of our nation, and again, a, a wide area that people will probably also flock to. And so we see this seven-year period like bookends where God is saying, listen, sin is in the earth. People, you've got to deal with yourselves. You've got to seek me. I'm the only one that has answers for the things that are coming upon the earth. This isn't the wrath of God. This isn't the final judgment in, as Revelation speaks of. This is the mercy of God. This is mercy because he wants us to understand his heart and his vision, his, what he's doing upon the earth. He wants to call the people back to himself to recognize who he is. When the governments are saying it's okay to attend church, but don't worship him, don't sing. You see, there are two opposing forces here playing out in the heavenly realms of war. And for some people who have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, you people, you'll know what's really going on and you'll know that if you stay in the world, the world has nothing to offer but more stress and more anxiety and more trouble. But if you operate by the Spirit 
and you see what's going on, we're in a period of a grace and a mercy of God where he's asking people to return to him. Where does this play out? So Joel 2 gives us the framework of how God would have us walk through these days. Joel was a prophet about 800 years before Christ. He was ministering in Judea, in uh, yeah, Judea, the southern regions of Judea, um, of Judah, and he was ministering during a time that there was also things going on in the land. And in this particular story, there was a plague of locusts that were sent into Judea, into Judah, into the regions of Judah, and. As it turns out, in several hours, the locusts were so plentiful that it changed the entire landscape. So we understand that the word tells us that all of the crops failed. All of the vegetation failed. They were eaten by the locusts. It tells us that things were dried up. It tells us that even the bark on the olive trees was eaten away. The produce of the land that there was nothing left, and it happened in hours, just a couple of days. And it tells us that there was such a famine in the land that it changed the economy, it changed, it changed the landscape of the entire region. And people were, were uh, getting sick, and people were dying from the famine and, and starvation. The animals were dying, the livestock was affected, the agriculture was affected with no sign of relief, right? And so here comes a man named, uh, named Joel that uh, gets a hold of God and he says to the nation, here's the framework of what God is going to offer of how you walk through these days. It's a day of darkness and gloom and danger, struggle and trial. It is in our day if you stay in the natural, as I've said. He said to blow the trumpet and gather the people. Anytime there's a trumpet blast in the land, it's God's voice drawing the people together because he has something to say. How many people in today's world are hearing that trumpet sound? How many people are hearing the voice of God and are, are altering their lives to come to a place of covering, come to a place of mercy, come to a place of grace? This is what Joel was offering in that day. And he was saying, call, it's a call to, for evaluation, call to repentance. It's a call for crying out to God, rending your hearts, recognizing that sin has separated man and God, recognizing that they were on a path of destruction. And while God comes to bring correction to the people, it's uncomfortable. And sometimes people want to blame God. Well, if you love me, how could you possibly do this? During the times of my life and my accident when I lost my leg at a very early, uh, very early age, nine years old, I fought that for years. If you love me, how could you let this happen to me? How could you possibly... What did a nine-year-old little boy ever do to deserve this, right? 
So I understand that. I understand being mad at God. I understand not knowing. The problem is the nine-year-old little boy didn't understand the greater purpose. I'm beginning to. I'm beginning to understand. God's answer of deliverance in Pentecost pouring out of the Holy Spirit. So we see a framework. The coronavirus is intended to consume and overwhelm in every man on everything that man's ever relied on. Joel 2, chapter uh, verse 6, at the, it said the nations will be in anguish. We're in anguish today. In chapter 10, the earth shakes and the heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened. I just showed you the two bookends of the, of the uh, eclipse that God orchestrated before the foundations of the world to play out in a time that we are in and where we're at. Orchestrating a 70 mile wide area. Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord, Joel says, for he is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. Who knows if he may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing? We don't know. Joel didn't know. He was speaking, he was speaking for God because we know the love letter that God sends us. But Joel didn't know at the time, and he says, who knows if God will relent? But one thing Joel counted on in his day that we're to count on in our day, and that's the love and the mercy and the long-suffering of our God, the compassionate heart that he has for the people to bring correction and bring us back to him so we don't have to walk through the final days of judgment that ends up being final. That's why they're called the final days. Because he wants us to return to him and experience his love and experience his mercy before that one great battle that will certainly happen on the earth just as Revelation says that it will. So we go down to the day of the Lord in, chap in, in chapter 2, verse 28. And we see, and it says, and afterward. Well, after what? And afterward. Okay. Well, there's something that's going to take place after, but after what? After the first part of Joel. After the first things that we just read about. After the sun and the moon are darkened. And after the roaring of the waves. And after the people turn from their wickedness and turn back to him and seek his face. After repentance after the sackcloth and after the ashes, after the turning back to him, after that. I can only imagine, as it was in Noah's day, that there are people who ignored it. And there are people that said, well, I'm right with God. I don't have anything wrong with me. I, I don't have any sin. I don't, I don't have anything that I need to correct. I don't have any, uh, I didn't kill anybody, I didn't shoot anybody, I didn't, I didn't do this, and the long list of things that I didn't do, when God says that no one is righteous, not even one, right? 
And so I find myself thinking about, wait a minute, what are the things in my life that need to be changed? What are the places in my life, instead of going home exhausted from work and watching a half hour of TV, maybe I should take that half hour and start praying. Maybe I should be one of those ones of the multitude that turned back to God and said, wait a minute, what needs to be adjusted? What am I putting my hope in? What am I putting my focus in? Am I fearful for losing my job? Can't pay the bills? Can't pay the mortgage? Can't buy food? Or am I trusting in God? Because God said that his people would never go hungry. And the principles. And what am I, what are, what am I allowing my thought life to be like? Jesus took it from the place of, well, I didn't do this and I didn't do that and I didn't. And he said, what are the issues of the heart? And so in the past several weeks since this virus has, has come upon the earth, I'm wondering, where is my heart? Am I fearful? Am I anxious? Am I walking in dread? I'm exhausted all the time. So probably those are some clues of what is going on within the heart that probably most people can't see or know about. And so it's a time to evaluate. Lonnie's been very diligent. As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of Jesus' return. Those messages came for a reason. And then a few days later, Lonnie couldn't have possibly known that there were two dams in Michigan that were weak and only needed a little bit of water and would be breached. And the dams were, seemed to me that the dams were a mile or more across, holding back huge amounts of water. And as the plane was flying over, oh my gosh, God, spare your people. Spare your people. Spare your people, Father. And so it's a wake-up and a sobering call. Lonnie couldn't have possibly known. But God is speaking in the earth because he wants to uh, spare the people. He wants to bring salvation to the people. He wants a return. Amen? And so we say afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved from Mount Zion and in Jerusalem. There will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. So we, and so we see how God intends this to come out. We see his heart and his compassion and his mercy. And while the land was devastated in that day with all of the locusts, and the economies were affected, and people were dying, and, and livestock was dying because there was nothing to eat. We understand that God is greater than all of that. We understand that God has a purpose. And he said, man, woman, child, he said, everyone. He didn't mean just the Jews. He didn't mean just a natural nation. He meant everyone. And so this is where we are today. 
and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved from Mount Zion. Mount Zion was the dwelling place of God. Jerusalem was the dwelling place of God. Where is the dwelling place in our day? Do you not know that you are the temples of the Holy Spirit? The dwelling place of God today is within you, in your heart. And that's why God is talking about heart issues today. Because he wants to live in a temple not made with hands that's pure. He wants to live in a place that's that's prepared for him. And so, yes, we're dealing with difficult things upon the earth. Fear and anxiety and stress and uncertainty. And as we shift and reorganize our thoughts from all of the places of fear of the wind and the waves and the sea, and we reorganize our thoughts onto the Lord, Jesus comes and he speaks to the wind and the waves and he says, be still. And for uh, maybe for the first time in, a long, in weeks, we start to experience peace. We start to experience a settling down of, okay, Lord, I wish I, have shown, I wish I would have found this place. I wish I would have found it even some weeks ago. And so you see, it's not the judgment of God, it's the love of God that he knows if left unchecked, we go of the way of the people in Noah's day. Wandering from the ancient path, leading to his pre- that w- takes us from his presence, and we become a godless and selfless society, living only for selfish interests, which leads to corruption. He knows that in order for us to experience his love, we must put him first, because he said in his word, "I will have no other gods before me." And we're not to serve them. We're not to bow down to them. We're not to trust in our jobs and in our finances and our 401ks and our ESOPs. We're not to trust in the bailouts of the governments. We're not to trust in the places where man wants to fix it. We're not supposed to be trusting. Those places can help. God uses those places Because in my Bible it says, and he uses all things for good of those that are called according to his purposes and love him. So I'm not saying to send it back. I'm not saying reject it. I'm saying to consider it, use it for its intended purpose under the shadow of God, under the shadow of his voice, under his heart and his compassion, knowing that he's the provider of all things in your life. You see, there's a shift in thinking that's in the earth right now. Are you going to rely on the governments and the the places of provision? Or are you going to rely on the sovereign grace and the mercy of God? God said, we're approaching Pentecost. It's just a few days away. And I feel like God wanted this to be known as we go in and celebrate these days. That we put that demand and that we meet him in the, in the places of his spirit. And we're able to have a relationship with him that breaks us through that we haven't experienced even some weeks ago. You see, God wants to be known as a deliverer and a savior as one full of love and compassion. 
And for those who don't find him in that way and only see him as a judgmental father, his heart grieves, but it's clear what the end brings. Only those who know Christ shall be saved. All those who cry out to him, there will be an answer. Amen? Rather than seeing the Father in an angry light who punishes with floods and pandemics and sickness and disease, we must see him as the loving Father drawing us back and who gave his Son that we might live. So we're to love him with our minds and souls, our bodies. The coronavirus is not the final irreversible judgment of God, but we're drawing close to that. There is a day where there will be an irreversible judgment upon the earth, where the sheep and the goats are separated, where the, the people who don't know God go one direction and the people who do know God go in another direction. That day will surely come where the wrath of God is poured out upon the earth. This isn't that yet because there's still the invitation. Remember, the invitation was on the earth until the day of the flood. And at the day of the flood, the invitation was removed. The door of the ark was closed and judgment was experienced by the people who refused to hear his voice. Therefore, in Hebrews 3, 7, as the Holy Spirit says in your hearts today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as it was in the days of the rebellion. So what should you be doing? And as I close with this, what should you be doing Jesus said, the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. Amen? Amen. 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 Those of you who are online, have an awesome day today. Uh, we're going to uh, offer up our tithes and offerings as we close this morning. Uh, so uh, be blessed.